There we go. What? Now I have a good level. What's up? That's a good time to get one. Yeah. At the intro of the show, the 75th show. Sorry, it's not like we lost rights to the Contra intro, uh, Contra intro uh, because we never had rights. So we'll, it'll be that. My iPad has it and it died and we just wanted to record. So we just want straight theme song for our 75th episode spectacular. Yeah, why well, start doing it right now? Right, because that's not our thing. We're uh, we're we, we're not sponsored by Squarespace or Casper, so we don't have to do it right. Unless they want or, to. Or Blue Apron. Yeah, any one of you want to come in. If not, until then, you go. I'll go fuck yourself. You know, I sleep on a Casper mattress. I, I get those Blue Apron coupons in the mail all the time. Yeah, so do I. I sleep on not, a Casper. Not the meals, but just the coupons. We're really shilling out for the podcast. <laughs> the podcast advertisers. Squarespace. What's the other one? What's the one that advertised on Kevin Smith? The Dave School. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but fuck all of you. <laughs> what, are, what are some of those advertisers that don't give us money to mention their name? Yeah, sure. But I did I did preface it by saying fuck all of them. So like I hate them. <laughs> For no reason. I hate them until they'll give us money to do this. So not just... We don't even want to make money. Just pay for our cost. That'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's not cheap, kids, giving you this entertainment. But but we love it secretly. Not even secretly. We do love it. It's 75 episodes, and I think we had fun all 75, didn't we? I think so. There was one yeah. episode, if you're, if you're allowing me to bring this up, where you thought I was, like, picking on you, like, and shit, and I was just trying to, like, play our character. Oh, yeah, yeah. You were we kind were, of like, pissed at me I, at the end. I'm like, what? I was like, oh, that was a great dude, episode. You're like, what the fuck? Why are you being such a dick? I'm like, I was just <laughs> playing a character. And then you went back and listened. You're like, yeah, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I didn't say if I wasn't. I'm an idiot for so many more reasons. Right. But. Well, so am I. I mean, that's why we're friends yeah. and that's why we do this podcast and work well on this podcast. Well. Uh, well enough. Well, Tonight, uh, before we get to it, though, we both saw a little movie that's making some money. Uh, Holy shit, is it? Yeah, it didn't even open in China yet. That's next week. Avengers or, Infinity War. Did Russia open yet? Is that this weekend? I don't. I really don't know. I just know. I know China and Russia were the two that were. China, Russia doesn't count really as much. I mean, the money's not there like it is China. China's almost as big as the U.S. market. Yeah. Um. So this movie will open in China and just. I mean, it's already like clocked Force Awakens for the biggest opening ever. Mm-hmm. And it and it, and it it surpassed Fate of the Furious for biggest worldwide opening ever, and it didn't. I don't like, get that. Uh, I don't know. There, there's a bunch of like people love The Rock and people love Cars, so. Yeah, but it's like the like. At what point do you give up give up on the installment of the the Fast Car movie? Squeezer, when you're making to be fair, a we're billion dollars, movies and yeah, I know. People. <laughs> when you're making a billion dollars in profit, like you don't, you're not going to say let's give up because there's we're, we've done too many. <laughs> let's let's forego that extra billion because we've gone too far. Like you bleed every last dollar out of that franchise. You're not saying that they're trying to, you know. I'm pissed because. A Ghostbusters movie lost money, and they're they're not going to do a sequel. But this money, this these movies keep making money. That's what I'm pissed about. Like I know, say what you want about the cast or whatever the movie. I'll take uh, with all the Ghostbuster tie-ins and toys and all the shit we saw that came out. Like 
fucking keep making Ghostbuster movies. And we'll get to one later. But uh, I don't get how it lost money. Because uh, they, they dropped so much in advertising. Uh, it only made really? 300 million worldwide. And they probably spent four on advertising. I think it lost well, 70. That's uh, not fair because it's not always a guarantee, you know, that advertising, just because you spend money on advertising doesn't mean meant you advertised it well. Yeah, I agree. It also it also became a political like it became an issue like, yeah, uh, and that's never good <laughs> for a, a movie like Ghostbusters. No, uh, and you know my one gripe with that movie is they got a little too cute with the weapons. That I have two, and it's it's the weapons and obviously, in, you know me the CGI. Like I if I feel like if they would have more like, more practical more a little more practical ghostbusters and just give you the more that that tangible feel yeah you would have been well off it was almost like too cartoony over the top yeah i oh. agree i did think the scene some of the scenes were really neat but oh they the, they were cool and there's some stuff that you definitely if you could you can go back and redo parts of ghostbusters one and two and you know update it you know if right. they could in a george lucas kind of way Right, but we- weapon. But, there's too many weapons, and there wasn't. Uh, th- there yeah. wasn't like they had the opportunity to do it, but they they kind of like shied away from the blue collar aspect that made Ghostbusters so great. Like a couple yeah. of fucking like blue collar scientists. Like that's I don't know how they did it because they're scientists, mm-hmm. they're doctors, but they're blue collar. They're smoking. They have cigs hanging out of their mouth, and they're just working. They're like uh, they're you know, creeps. They're like, they're like they're creeps. They're like exterminators. There's a ghost blowing Dan Aykroyd in the <laughs> montage. <laughs> I never understood that scene when I was a kid. Neither did I. And I, I, get it. I it's still kind of tough, but it took me up until like two years ago to get the scene where Peter puts down Oscar in Ghostbusters 2. But it, once I got it, I realized it was the most brilliant scene. We talked about mm-hmm. this on the podcast. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Avengers, did you like it? Oh, is that the movie we were talking about yeah. making all that money? Yeah, Avengers, Infinity War. Um, I, I loved it. Not since Joy Luck Club have I laughed and cried so much in one film. Yeah, it was it was really good. And um, listen, if you read the comic book, you know that what the end, what you saw in the end isn't isn't. I mean, just put the clues together. Put Doctor what Doctor Strange saw, what he did when when a certain someone almost died. I mean, you put it all together, and and spoilers, you're gonna find out what happened. I mean, you'll you'll figure out what's gonna happen in the next movie. Uh, there was a little comic book run. Uh, Marvel did in the I think near late 90s called Heroes Reborn Dollars to Donuts that's what Avengers 4 is called Mm. and that's why they couldn't say the title okay because you know it would have given away spoilers fuck my my only my only real gripe with it would be just there's so much violence you know, if these heroes wanted to be really super, they'd talk out their problems. <laughs> there really wasn't a lot of violence. Um, Hulk, know, just Hulk and Thanos fought a little bit, but monsters and you know, I I don't want to say too much and and spoil it, but yeah. actually, I will. It's part of part of this movie was actually some of the inspiration for one of my uh, one of my picks actually. All right, well, yes. let's let's explain our concept because this is different than any show we ever done, and this should be a lot of fun. For our seventy fifth show, we've talked about this. We are giving you pitches for sequels and reboots of like eighties uh, and early nineties properties and IP that we we feel could could 
uh, serv- like exist today. Um, and I guess, should I start without further ado? Uh, without further ado, proceed. Uh, all right, my first one. Uh, here we go. Squeezer, this is I'm Alright by Kenny Loggins, which is the theme from Uh, Caddyshack. Caddyshack. Yeah. My pitch for Caddyshack 3 is a little movie called Caddyshack Mar-a-Lago. Okay. So the premise is uh, the government tells Donald Trump that because of some reason that movies happen, uh, he has to give up and sell his Mar-a-Lago golf club. Uh, and then some really rich eccentric uh, guy comes in and wants to buy and turn it into like a fun club that everyone could access and uh, the Mar-a-Lago residents and um, are uh, are fighting to keep it like hoity-toity. Now, Donald Trump kind of plays an off-screen character, but I mean, this, this man's not just a president. He's been in movies. He was in Home Alone 2, for fuck's sake. So I feel like we could use him as a character. And he's torn between... He sold himself as a man of the people, the, the middle class and the lower class, the working class. So mm-hmm. he's torn between allowing the eccentric billionaire to buy it and turn it into like his fun park and and selling it to a group of uh, billionaire golfers so they could keep it, make it even more exclusive and keep it the Mar-a-Lago he always knew. Of course, there's a couple love interests, uh, you know, a girl from uh, the wrong side of the tracks falls in love with a um, hoity-toity asshole, and uh, he, you know, has to discover himself that money's not everything, and maybe it should be for the people. Uh, uh, you know, in order to gain this woman's love, uh, I think it would work really well. Uh, you could use a lot of the same like themes that the original Caddyshack one and two had. You know, class warfare. Because I mean, mm-hmm. fuck, we we're right in the thick of it now and and just make fun of it and you know you get a lot of jokes at trump and even like liberal snowflakes uh snowflakes uh you could do both both sides both conservative and liberal snowflakes because there seem to be them on both sides anymore you take the roseanne approach uh kind of yeah exactly that's i was gonna say that like roseanne's doing it and uh caddyshack can do it um it, it, now's the time wouldn't it be a, a caddyshack mar-a-lago wouldn't you wouldn't you see that if there was a movie called caddyshack mar-a-lago Oh my God! Well, first of all, with that name, you could—I doubt you'd be able to use the name. Why not? I mean, parody. It'd be a great promote uh, lawsuit. Pa- parody. Um. It's fair use, buddy. It is. Well, that yeah, might be in your best case scenario. You might get sued. You could still win. Right. And then getting it's free sued. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You want to get sued. Uh, and you could even, you know, uh, have like a pun for the name, but. I think. I mean, I'd say I I would go see. I'd say I would. I wouldn't because it I had to go to see like Avengers at you know eleven o'clock at night just to make it work. I, but I, I think I would watch any Caddyshack movie. But I feel like you watch Caddyshack too, so you've proven your point. Right. I feel like a Caddyshack. I think I feel like a Caddyshack movie set at Mar-a-Lago would be fucking hysterical. And um, who is your eccentric groundskeeper? 
Uh, okay, so I I was deciding whether to do the eccentric groundskeeper or the eccentric exterminator, or I even have a better idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a former, an eccentric former member of Trump's cabinet that has to now uh, run the. He runs the grounds, like he like the like not just like groundskeeper, but like make sure the snack bars. And like he runs it like he's still part of the cabinet. Mm-hmm. Maybe not cabinet, but staff. Maybe, maybe press. Uh, like Sean Spicer is. Oh, okay. And Melissa McCarthy plays him. <laughs> okay. I don't know. That's kind of out there. I'm just, I'm just throwing, I'm just throwing jokes or. But, you know, it doesn't even have to be a him. It could be Melissa McCarthy playing like a really crazy, you know, I think she would be really funny in that role, like a really crazy like Carl Spackler role that used to work on Trump's staff and now is well, forced to okay. forced to. Well, I, I think it's fair to say that you need a former Ghostbuster to fill that role. So, right, exactly. And and there it is, the former Ghostbuster. Um, and I think that would, I would think she would play a really good, good, like. Like imagine like her just walking around like pretending like she's still in the White House and like yelling at people and like just screaming fake news. You could really, I mean, those movies were like, especially two was so eighties. You could really fucking two thousand eighteens this motherfucker up. Just just stamp a date on it. So right. So when you go back, you always get that little tinge of nostalgia that you get when you watch Caddyshack and Caddyshack Two. Mm-hmm. And um, is that what I get when I watch Caddyshack Two? Nostalgia. Uh, I do. She goes and gets a higher. I love shitting on it because I know how much oh, you love it. I know it's tough though because I know it's a piece of trash, but I still enjoy it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's my first pitch. What do you think? Are you buying or I, no? You, are, am I getting the green light or no? I'll, I'll give you the green light because I, I know for a fact it'll make money. Yeah, absolutely, and it'll get it'll it'll be in the news every goddamn day. And you know that oh, idiot Trump's gonna. Tw- I'm sorry, I I. I <laughs> <laughs> You know like that one slip, huh? Yeah, you know Trump's gonna tweet about it. <laughs> it's just so free for Trump's. It's the only movie Trump's gonna tweet about on any of our list, I believe. So unless we're making a Kanye West biopic. Uh, hang on. No. Listen, to some people he isn't an idiot. To some people, a lot of people, Obama was an idiot. I get. I get both the sides. All right. I think most, I think you just, have to just go edit it. To, go save your, no, go I'm, I'm going to say this right now and you could agree with me to run for president. I think you have to be kind of an idiot. <laughs> Especially yeah, I don't know country. why the hell you would want to do right, that. Right. Exactly. So that's, that's what I, you know, it's just politicians in general. So I'm not taking a side. It's, it's not that I think, but I think it would be funny to make this movie. Uh, and squeezer, we should move on to your first pick. And of course, you didn't see this coming, did you? No one saw this one coming. Oh, sorry, my cards are going to be a weensy late here, but here it is. Brave Star. 
you heard that the Kirim Rush brought Outlaws by the score. Uh, well, you know, a new Texas might not be that far off. California's trying to secede. You know what I mean? Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. Um, so, of course, this has been on my plate for forever. Okay. Like when you just think in the back of my mind, this is one of those where if I could take a property, Brave Star is going to be one of them. All right. Pitch your movie. Let's hear it. All right. So I'm giving you it's a cyber punk spaghetti western all right i like it already this is a blender yeah this is all right and so it's a based roughly you know similar to the cartoon it's a little more corporate i'm stealing stuff from across the board all right so it's very like whalen yutani from aliens and a lot of it is based off of uh so there's the curium rush is on in new on the planet of new texas right the outlaws are so bad that prices in the area are plummeting because no one wants to mine it. So this corporation comes in and takes over the mining and is pushing the town out. Wait, and the only one wait, there wait, wait. Are we talking? It's Police Academy Six. I know. <laughs> okay. I thought we were talking Avatar. Uh, well, Wasn't there a mining a gimmick in Avatar? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Right, well, I mean, Avatar did well, rip off. I'm not ripping off Avatar. I'm ripping Fern off Gully. Police Academy Six. And uh, oh yeah, okay. That's I like it. Let's do Police yeah. Academy Six. So, All who right. is the Wilson Heights gang? Uh, well, that would be uh, Tex Hex and okay. the rest of the gang. Well, the corporation is it's the uh, Stampede Enterprises. If you remember, Stampede was the main villain. That was Tex Hex's boss. We don't see him in this film in particular, or do we? Anyway, so Tex Hex, he's just your average corporate businessman running things. And uh, the only one that's trying to stand up to this corporation that's kind of putting the screws to the community is Judge J.B. McBride. When out of nowhere, a mysterious stranger, a marshal, rides into town, that would be one Marshal Bravestar. And so he starts snooping around and is forced Tex Hex to come out in the open and realize he is the evil villain that he is. And it's him and his henchmen that have been driving prices down so his business can come in and take over. And eventually, it culminates in the ultimate showdown between Brave Star and Tex Hex. Oh. Okay. And um, what what's your what's your trailer? It's really slow. I, I'm talking like when I when when I see this shot, like it's uh, Blade Runner meets for a few dollars more so okay. you have some just epic epic open scenery and it but it, it's it's kind of slow but and then you work in those tight shots in between and uh are, are we what is this rated oh it's rated r <laughs> but come yeah. on oh, so i guess you don't have since the toys didn't sell well you don't have to worry about selling toys uh, i'm not i'm not worried about that okay well it so what you, I did was when Mattel I went through, and I, had, one of its I had a basic concept for each of my each of my films, and then like I had a general idea, and I had an idea where the script was going to go, and I'm like, how am I gonna? How do I want these to look? So I went back, and then that's when I went and I got a director and like a, a basic cast for this film. All right, who's directing this piece? George Miller. <laughs> 
Will he? Oh, I, I guess I could see George Miller doing a spaghetti western. So that's where with the the cyberpunk aspect to cyberpunk, it, and yeah. then in a western, I just I got him to slow down a little bit. Just take right. your who's brave, off the gas who's just brave a little star? bit. Who's brave star? Cast him for me. Uh, Adam Beach. All right. Well, who's uh, what's a hex tax? Tax max. Uh, Gary Oldman. Oh, all right, all right. And Jamie McBride, it's kind of, it's so easy. You have to go ScarJo. Oh, yeah. I mean, she looks just like her. Yeah. Um, but I had to go Adam Beach because I don't know any other Native American actors. So. Okay. All right. Or we could just... It's, Ironize Cody, is he still alive? I don't... <laughs> he was uh, Sicilian, I believe. Yeah, he was, yeah. <laughs> Uh, what about uh, what about the guy who plays John Redcorn? Um, in in uh, King of the Hill, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, um, he was in oh, he played he was in uh, he was in Parks and Rec. The guy who played him, uh, Jonathan Joss. He he was really yes. he was really good in um, Parks and Rec too. Uh, he's 52 though. He might be a little too old. He could play Brave Star's yeah. father. Adam Beach is around like 45 right about now, which is what I'm looking for. And he's already played a cop. So, oh, so you want this guy a little season, a little hard? I, I want him a little season, a little hard. And I want him. I this is. I don't want an origin story. We don't even know. I don't care who Brave Star is. It, it's. Uh, he rides in the town, and that's it. And then he does his thing. Okay. L- look at look at all of the. Uh, uh, good, the bad, and the ugly. You know all, all those Sergio Leone films. When Eastwood rides in the town, you don't get a forty-five minute backstory talking about who this guy is. He's just that's why you got to use Iron Eyes Cody because that then you get your true spaghetti western. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So okay, I get to play the um, uh, studio exec now. Mm-hmm. All right, we love, we want to be in business with you. We love the idea of doing a Brave Star movie. One point, we're going to have to, and, you know, we can talk this with your agent, we'll adjust cost, and, you know, we could even greenlight a bigger budget if you're willing to work with us, but uh, we're going to have to go hard on the PG-13. I can do that. All right, so we can work PG-13? I think. Yeah. I think we're making a movie. I can make this thing PG. <laughs> Man, you sold out quick. Fuck yeah. No, you don't have to. Watch, go, like, w- you go back and watch all those spaghetti westerns. Right. They're, well, they're thought, not R. I thought you'd put up a little fight. No, absolutely not. Right. Oh, wait. Uh, uh, I don't know. I'm pretty, it's pretty important to me that it's uh, you, rated R. I would R. say. I'm, I just feel, I'm just. I want George Miller, and I don't know if he's capable of doing PG-13. <laughs> well, that's true. He was hired to do Justice League at one point, but I, that could have been R, I don't, for all I know. Just just visually, I I'm, I picture the two of them blending, and... Uh, do, do, speaking of R, and I, I did like the Justice League movie. It wasn't perfect, but when they rubbed it in that Avengers made more money its opening like weekend than, <laughs> than Justice League made its entire run, I was like, oh, God, it's got to hurt. I, I actually, in my... In the, I, part of the, that... When I say that like Avengers was part of inspiration for one of my movies, yeah, Justice League, the DC, the two universes, 
by contrast, is what kind of made me change my mind and my approach on this. Even though this pick might be considered ridiculous and have no place in this list, it for somehow I feel this one makes the most money out of all these stupid, of all my picks. Okay, that's fair. Uh, when we get there, should we move on? You ready to hear so my you're, next one? You're, you're green lighting Brave Star. Yeah, you got a green light. You you agreed on the PG thirteen. We can work with oh. that. We're in business. We're we're in. The, the, I can sell out even faster too if you need me to. We're in the squeezer business. We want to be in the squeezer business. We're excited to be in the squeezer Brave Star business. We're green lighting it. All right. Uh, okay. So I'm gonna preface this next one by saying, if you if this movie gets made and you motherfuckers steal my idea. I'm going to kill somebody. I'm, I'm putting this out there. This is my pitch, my movie. And if I think Sony holds the rights to this property, if you want me to make it, you got to call me. You just can't go and make this. This is my idea. And I'm uh, copyright RK, Rad Years, Lost Wallet Productions, 2018, uh, May 2nd, as of 10 minutes ago, 2018. Here we go. Squeezer, I am talking a Masters of the Universe reboot. Ooh. I'm sneezing. Hold okay. on. Okay. Hold on. I think I got them all. You didn't, you didn't use your napkin, <laughs> did you? Oh, here we go. Okay. What? Oh, my napkin, napkin with the pitch on it? Yeah. That's why I sneezed all over the wall. So I didn't ruin my napkin with the pitch on it. All right. So here's my pitch 75 and we're sneezing in the What's that? I love it. I love this show. I know. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm potting down so I could sneeze. Uh, so this movie take the movie starts in Eternia. Skeletor and his his uh, his band of evil assholes, Beastman, Merman, and whatnot are attacking Castle Grayskull. Uh, Man of Arms rushes to the king and queen and tells them that. Uh, Skeletor is about to uh, break through, and their only chance is to get Prince Adam out of the castle and hide him. Uh, the king tells them to take Prince Adam to the planet Earth. Uh, so the only portal Eternia has to uh, to Earth is in the year 1986. No matter when they take the portal, they land in 1986. So Man at Arms takes. Uh, Prince Adam to, and he's uh, three years old at this time, to 1986. And they live on Earth until current 2016. And uh, Prince Adam's living a life as a advertising executive, and he has no idea that he is the Prince of Eternia and has the power of He-Man. Now, Man-at-Arms is still living on Earth, and Prince Adam has no idea who this guy is. He's just watching over him from afar because he can't get back uh, to Eternia. One day, uh, Prince Adam stumbles across this sword that's like seems to be cut in half. And um, Man in Arms, of course, like sees that he has this and like freaks out and runs at him. And he's like, where did you get that? He's like, 
I don't know, I found it. And he's like, who gave this to you? Like, where, where did you get this? Like, he's freaked out. That's the sort of power, half the sort of power. Uh, and he picks it up. He's like, I don't know. He, I, they told me to lift it in the air and say something, and all this luck would be. He's like, don't say. And he's like, I have the power. And all of a sudden, like, lightning bolts flash, and a big flash comes. And they get transported, like, like Man at Arms jumps on him, and they both get transported back to eternity. And uh, Prince Adam's, like, all buff, and he's wearing this little, like, like barbarian loincloth and everything, and his hair is, like, all blonde and, like, in a bob. And he's like, what the fuck? What happened to me? And um, uh, Man at Arms quickly bows down to him, and he's like, uh, sorry, He-Man. I didn't mean to jump on you. He's like, He-Man? He-Man? What kind of name is that? Anyway... Uh, so he like fulfills the prophecy of coming back to eternity to save it and kick Skeletor out of Castle Grayskull. Now, throughout the movie, like all the technology that Eternia has is like mm-hmm. kind of rooted in the 80s, like tape decks and uh, VC, like beta machines, and like ve- everything's like very 80s because like the only like portal they have to Earth is 1986. So uh, there's like a lot of 80s jokes and references in, in the movie. And at the end, He-Man wants to go back, but he could, they're like, you can only go back to 1986. He's like, but I want to go back. My life's on Earth. And uh, so he goes back and they're like, well, you, you have to take this sword so you can come back and defend it. So he goes back and he pitches like, I, I know the timeline's messed up because the line came out in 82, but he pitches mm-hmm. to this company, Mattel, these action figures based on all these crazy characters (laughs) he made in Eternia. And then like at the end, you see him selling like the, the the masters of the universe action figures. Uh, and then like, there's a cut scene that sets up, uh, the sword and stone, like his sister, Shira. So that's like the second movie. What do you think? Who, who is your heat? Who you have playing? He man. Okay, uh, I I think uh, Jax from um, Sons of Anarchy. Okay. Charlie, whatever his name is. What you can you see it? I can see that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and you have a man at arms because apparently he's a very big part of this story. Yes. So he, he he's your he's like your your Kyle Reese, your Michael Bean of of He Man in this role. Okay. Yeah. So I thought long and hard about this, and mm-hmm. um, I was like, who can we pull from this to to be the perfect man at arms? And I I, I thought about a lot of people, and tell me if if this is not genius. Tom Selleck. Damn, that's good, right? If only for the mustache alone. <laughs> for the mustache alone, I think they modeled the figure after Tom Selleck. And and, and the fact that it's so much rooted in the '80s. Right, right. He's it, very '80s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my only concern is before we take this on. Okay. Is there merchandising available in this? We re-release every. Masters of the Universe figure in a retro throwback package. We've got Happy Meals. We've got fucking Arita's Italian Ice, Eternia Berry. We've got 
every single tie-in you could possibly think of. This movie's going to be merched more than any movie that ever came out in the 80s. Think about the possibilities. Everything. every Because like you, all the adults will be buying it, the throwback toys, because you can't get them anymore. I know Dougie's going to buy every single one of them. Um, then all the kids are going to want them because they want the movie and they want to play with the action figure. So you make the figures exactly like their 80s counterparts. And it's the ones they're selling at the end of the movie. Like they're in the movie. You could buy these action figures. And Mattel owns the rights to them, so it's all profit. They pay nothing. No likeness rights. What do you think? Shut up and take my money. <laughs> oh, boy. Let's make it. So I'm greenlit? Oh, absolutely. All right. Let's do absolutely. it. For, for the, the, uh, are you getting a cut of this merchandising a la George Lucas? Or well, no, how, well, how are we going to work this out? Be, well, all right. I know you got uh, Mattel, the guys who own the IP, own the rights, the likeness rights. So I'm okay with them getting all the merch. I just want back end on the movie. I'll, you know what? I'll even I'll Domestic even take here we go. I'll take upfront on the movie, back end on the sequel, and uh, four more four extra on whatever you give me four extra points on whatever you give me for the sequel on the threequel. So I got to perform. I got to come back and perform for you. I'm I'm asking a, an upfront. I'm not asking for 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 minimum. I'm asking for an upfront, like three million upfront. I write and direct. Then I want back end on the sequel, and then I want four extra points on the threequel. Those don't, those movies don't get made. I don't get paid. You're directing. <laughs> well, I think I could direct this. All right, but we're gonna put a prick of a uh, AD on that just to keep you in line. <laughs> a producer. I want a good producer. You can have a good producer. Good producer always makes. Even even I don't even have to direct. Actually, I, I'm better. You know, in my profession, we've learned I'm better at producing than directing. So. All right, you got a deal. All right, we're in. We're doing business. We're going to be making 10 movies by the end of the show. <laughs> All right, let's 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 hear your next one. I'm excited for this one. Striking at the enemies of man and nature. One man's name resounds from snow-capped mountains down across the sun-baked plains. Mark Jesus Christ, what is this? There was actually a Mark Trail radio show back in like the sixties or whatever. What is this? A shitty comic no one ever read in the newspaper? Yeah. What did you think it was when I was telling you Mark Trail? No, I knew it was that. I'm just playing dumb for the podcast. Oh, okay. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for playing dumb. Yeah. So I. All right, let's hear it. I was going through my notes. I, I just want to explain why I went with Mark Trail. This was one of those dumb things. I don't know why. I'm like, I was just curious what a Mark Trail movie would look like. Okay, yeah. So I, I buy that. And again, now, you, you might, like, you can poo-poo this, but as soon as I tell you who I'm having direct this damn thing, you're going to want to see it. Okay, let's so, see. So there's a bank robbery. Okay. That leads the leads police to ask for Mark Trail's help because the bandits went off into the woods. And they've been gone for quite some time. And, of course, if you're going to walk out into the wilderness and you have to track these guys down, who better than Mark Trail? And along the way, we can learn something about a porcupine. Well, why wouldn't you want to learn something about a anyway. porcupine? 
Anyway, while out searching for these guys, Mark actually comes across some of the money from the bank robbery. Now, Mark's a stand-up guy, so of course he's going to return that money to the bank, right? Right. Problem is, this bank is looking to purchase land in the area on the mountain for development purposes. And they're pretty shady about it, too, and Mark knows that. So Mark's kind of torn. What does he do? He should return his money, but at the same time, it's going to destroy his world as he knows it. So maybe Mark keeps some of this money and uses it to then buy it out from under the bank. I mean, they're insured, right? And at the same right. time, those bandits are still out there. And now they're looking for their money, and they're going to come back looking for it. Okay. And it all culminates in one big ending that's more gray than a Monday morning comic strip. So what are we? Who we direct, who's directing? Well, first of all, my Chris my Nolan. Mark Trail, my Mark Trail. Okay. John Hamm. Well, yeah, obviously. Obviously, he's got the hair. He's got the hair. No, no, my directors. It's the Coen Brothers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. It's got to be the Coen Brothers. They might have this in development. This might be in development already. I hope so. And you know what? Have at it. If you do, I'm not going to stop you because I I think just the absurdity of taking a Mark Mark Trail franchise and giving it that Coen Brothers feel. Listen, Squeezer, we love the idea. We definitely want to get Joel and Ethan on, but... Our problem with Joel and Ethan is their movies don't really have marketability as far as merchandise. Do you see any merch or tie-ins for this movie? It's Mark Trail. Okay, so we're going to call go with Ethan and... Uh, <laughs> uh, what's the other Cohen? Ethan. I said I just said it. Joel, Ethan and Joel. We're going to get we're going to get Ethan. I'm going to call their agents. We're going to get Ethan and Joel. We're going to be in Mark Trail business. I can't wait. What is what is it rated? Obviously R. Uh, <laughs> hard uh, R. Yeah, obviously R. Cohen's yes. hard R. <laughs> uh, I think I think the Cohen's could do a a PG Mark Trail movie. You think so? You think they could keep themselves from uh I don't know. I, I just see like some horrific scenes in the woods, like with people being fed to live animals. That's true. That's true. All right. Well, it, it's got it's Steve Buscemi's getting it is fed to a bear. Would you agree to let Ethan and Joel do a pass on the script? Oh, absolutely. All right. No, I, okay. I don't trust myself. Okay. Then I think we could be in business. No, no. I, I, my, my concept goes, and they can. All I want is I want I want Mark Trail to be in some really dark, horrific movie, and I I see no one else being able to. I I just want to see old people go into a theater expecting to see Mark Trail and walk out shaking their heads like my mom did when she took me to see Last Action Hero. Well, <laughs> that's my motivation for this film. All right. Um. That's not a bad motivation, you know, and I think, I think we at, here at the studio all agree we could be in business uh, on Mark Trail, so we're gonna give it a green light, and we got another movie made. Sweet. Okay, my next my next pitch squeezer is for the small screen. We're going for television, 
And, you know, we're hoping for HBO or Netflix. Uh, but here we go. We're talking Game of Thrones meets Lord of the Rings. We're talking The Legend of Zelda series on HBO or Netflix. What do you think? You already sold you well, you sold me with Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones combined cuz there's money there. Think of, think of okay, so this is called The Hero of Time. So okay. we, we, we go, it's Legend of Zelda Hero of Time. That's what the series is called. And there's many different links. They're all kind of related. We do the whole timeline thing. So like the first episode describes like the history of, of the Triforce and Hyrule. And uh, then it kind of, leaves us into uh skyward sword and we go through that like that timeline mm -hmm. for one season and then um uh you know we could go through the the minish caps and uh, the you know um obviously leading up to ocarina of time and uh it, that's where it like it'll split the timeline mm -hmm. so then we'll have like two running hold on i'm gonna sneeze again fuck i don't know what's wrong with me today Listen to Zelda music while I sneeze. Okay, I'm back. Oh, goodness. It's getting warm out. The allergies are acting up. So, I don't know. I feel like, and then, you know, you get linked to the past after the split timeline. And um, Oracle of Seasons, Oracle of Ages in one season. Link's Awakening, uh, obviously one of the best ever. is a season. And this is like every season. Like, you get the seasons, like, right themselves. Uh, and it's always about, you know, a guy trying to save Zelda, but she might not necessarily need saving and could be saving you in these seasons. Uh, he's fighting evil and Ganon and trying to save Hyrule and save the, protect the Triforce. I just think we're talking big money franchise. It's, oh, absolutely. It already is. TV 14. So okay. it's, it's safe. There's no cursing and everything. Kids can kids can. I'm already liking it. Kids can watch it. Uh, mm -hmm. Open call for the links. There's different links in every every show because they're different ages. So I have no stars for links. But Brian Cranston is Ganon or Ganondorf in every season. You that's your constant. That is yes. I like it. I like it. I like it. Yes, and of course, open call for Zelda because she's different ages and. And looks in every season, but always Brian Cranston as Ganondorf. Uh, 
who will you be able to wrest creative control from Nintendo? Um, it's gonna. I think it's gonna be. It'd be easier now than it would have been. I don't know. Even five years ago, I think Lord of the Rings opened up a lot of doors, a lot of money, and a lot of viewers. <laughs> Uh, for Nintendo to be like, you know what? If you're making this TV 14 and you're going to have, like, like, we need you to keep putting out games and giving us stories. So, like... So a next season of the show eventually will cross over in, and to promote a new game. Exactly. So Breath of the Wild is is like one season and then like we're like he, here when we're doing breath of the wild like the latest switch game comes out and they're like this is next season of legend of zelda like play the game before you watch the show it's so devious nintendo has to go with that yeah oh yeah yeah you sell games it'd, it'd be a perfect show there's just so much you you can't do a legend of zelda movie because the timeline's so split and like diverse. Yeah. And of course there's Easter eggs that connect all the timelines and you start to realize like this hero of time is connected in some way. And then you know when you decide to end it, you 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 get the connection. You you unite the timelines and connect it all. I, I like I really like where you're going with this. In fact, uh there was a Zelda on my short list. It just I couldn't make it happen because I was trying to make it a movie, and you're absolutely right. It needs to be a show. It needs to, it be, needs a to be a show. Yeah. Uh, so, Legend of Zelda: The Hero of Time coming to Netflix or HBO? Oh, I, did I get the green light? I got the green light, correct? We're, we're in you, business. You definitely, you absolutely have the green light. Um, would there be international? So, as far as international releases go, would you have? Uh, would you consider an international cast? Would you consider? Um, tweaking perhaps uh races or genders of other characters or even main characters to suit markets oh yeah open casting so it, it could be any okay. i mean it doesn't i'm not doing it to suit markets i'm doing it to suit the story just like game of thrones like like you cast and I'm, i don't want to whitewash it either there's there's there should be a lot of uh japanese and asian culture in this I don't know. They have a, no problem doing it with their own product. So. <laughs> it's true. Uh, but we'll see. I don't know. I think it could be a big franchise, and I can't wait to see uh, what Netflix, HBO, or... I don't know if I had Amazon. Amazon. I, I think everyone has Amazon Prime, and no one watches it. <laughs> well, I, 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 I know. You pay for it. I just don't right. use the music, you know, but... No, I, I agree with you. I, I think Zelda could be a big franchise. You're right. Right, and I think it has to be television. I don't think I don't I, I don't think there's a, a, a there's there's a there's a way to rein it in that will please everybody on in a movie. So we're making a we're making a show. Great, we're making a show. We've got uh, what four movies and uh, one show, and now yeah. we have an, are, are we working our way to a second show? Yeah, let's we're staying the small screen. Uh, we'll stay small. She's a small wonder, lovely and bright and soft. Words. She's a small 
<laughs> All right. Are we talking reboot here? Uh, we're talking reboot. Is the climate any better for uh, a young female AI story? Right, but we're not talking like Punky Brewster sitcom here, right? Oh, no, this is going to be pretty dark. Okay. Um, so, uh, basically, it starts along the same lines where uh, Ted Lawson is working as a government contractor, and they're working on a cybertronic, uh, a cyborg AI program and protocol, uh, and they get shut down. There's an incident. We don't know what this incident is, and it will play a role throughout the development of the show. All right. But the program gets shut down. The last incident, and we don't know what it is, was Lost, and uh, this better turn out better than Lost, but I'm listening. Uh, you got me. Did Lost make money? It did make money. It, all right. All don't, right. Don't care You're tickling my money goes. bones. I like it. I like it. I already have more on paper now than they did for the last episode of Lost. That's true. So, all right. He takes his work underground and finishes his product project, and we get Vicky, a young, a little bit older. We'll make her 13, 14-something. Okay. Uh, cyborg. All right. And she is designed, like the original Vicky, to not have any emotion. The problem is her AI, as it continues to grow, she develops emotion. And so the idea of the show is it, it's to ask the questions like, what is emotion? Like, where does it come from? Is it just this thing that's ingrained in it in us? Or is it something that can be learned? If an AI can gather all this information, could that information then be turned in on itself and you can become, uh, you know, reflective and, you know what I mean? Right. So, you know, it, it begs, there's deeper questions that can be asked with this small wonder show rather than just, can she pick up the couch while vacuuming? And she can, though, right? And she, and she can, of okay. course. All right. Now, that all depends on where the show goes. How are you going to throw back to the original show? Like, what's what's your link to the original? What brings those people who loved, who loved um, Small Wonder in the 1980s and 90s back to Small Wonder in 2018? Uh, that's where it, it, it gets tough. There, um, there will be small little callbacks, of course, just maybe a few in-jokes or passive comments. Um, she will at some point, uh, we will lead off the show with her wearing the dress, which she immediately, you know, discards. Oh, okay. So like, uh, Luke Cage kind of similar to Luke Cage. Yes. And, and in fact, to stick along with this, uh, Marvel train of thought, I actually want to go with, uh, for my director. And this is why I'm planning on going kind of dark and it's the, you know, thing now I'm not saying this because I, you know, feel like I have to or anything but you know the, the the trend is for female directors to be directing you know uh you know women's programming you know women in film you know what I mean uh, all, uh, all 13 episodes or 10 or whatever episodes of uh, Jessica Jones have a female director I guess exactly that. one of those being Jennifer Lynch okay why why so she's got well, what else has she done what are what are her um, she's done a, a, a ton of other shows, um, but 
it's the pedigree. Okay, I see it. It's television. You need someone who's done television. Yes, it's television, but she has a pedigree. That last name Lynch goes a long way. Is she Brian Lynch's daughter? Yes. Or David Lynch. David Lynch. David Lynch. David. David Lynch. Brian Lynch uh, wrote um, uh, Minions. Uh, David Lynch. David Lynch's daughter. Yes. <laughs> so it, I I feel that anyone and she, she she's lived in those worlds sure. and that's where I see the small wonder going. And and for my cast, I'm not very creative, so where else can I go but Millie Bobby Brown? Okay. All right. I don't know if she'll take on another television role like this. She probably wants to branch out into features, but we'll call her agent. We'll see if we can't get her because that's a great fit for this. I'm speaking as not me. I'm I'm, I'm playing the role of. Oh, okay. Of, of studio. I thought we, I thought you were actually going to call her. Oh, you're wait, you're in for a new call. Well, I'll yeah. get her. I'll get her on the. I'll get her on the horn. Uh, worth yeah. you know, it's only nine thirty there. I'll get her on the horn in L.A. after we're done. Now, here. now I'm thinking, you know, we 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 can go like uh, HBO if if possible if we want to go that route. Uh, I see this. Maybe here we go. Even I, USA, but I see this if, on FX. I I see an FX as well. Now, if we don't want to spend the money. And you see a, a slightly uh, tone it down a little bit. I can see you putting this on the CW. Yeah, you're really heavy on the CW. Does it fit I, in with with the rest of the lineup? I I, I think it does. I, it's a, a darker, moody, uh, brooding kind of uh, uh, series, and I I think it would All fit right. in great along the lines of. Uh, Angel, let's, still on? let's get a pilot on the can and shop networks. We could always recut to fit the network. Don't you hate that kind of network speak? That kind of I, d- I, don't speak? Know. I don't talk to network executives that often. I've heard it. I haven't talked to them personally. Uh, everything I know is just, I see from The Simpsons. That's everything I've ever learned about how TV works. Why do you think I'm growing my hair out? I'm going to put a ponytail on so I can be a network executive. <laughs> uh, okay. From what I learned from The Simpsons and also the mo- the book Hit and Run uh, about John Peters and Peter Gruber, they had ponytails. All right. So are you ready to hear my next pick? This is my big one. I'm saving my big one for second last. And oh, okay. Um, all right, here it is. Music to my ears, Squeezer. You're going to give this a try. I am about to pitch you all Ghostbusters 3. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. I'm curious as to what world we're living in. We start out in 2018 Chicago, Illinois. We open up in a white room. There's a circle going on with people in uh, all white. They're in in, uh, hospital uh, gear, movie hospital gear. I don't know if it's real hospital gear. And we see... Dr. Raymond Stance explaining how maybe it was all a figment of his imagination. It never happened again. 
and he doesn't know if he was the cause or he was just seeing things or if it ever really did happen. He explains there was a 100-foot marshmallow man, and he's pretty sure it was real, but he can't be positive. Cut to Brooklyn, New York, uh, bankruptcy court. Winston Zedmore is in bankruptcy selling off the liquid assets of Ghostbusters Incorporated. After the events of 1989, he decided to incorporate and franchise out Ghostbusters to cities around the world who bought franchises, but no ghosts ever showed up. No ghosts ever showed up again after the Vigo incident in 1989, ever. So he went belly up and he's now in bankruptcy court. Cut to Pete Venkman accepting the Nobel Peace Prize. He went legit in 1992 and left all that Ghostbuster stuff behind him. Yes, those were some of his better days, and that's what people remember him for. But he wants people to take him more seriously now. He is winning the Nobel Peace Prize in psychology, and he doesn't want to be bothered with Ghostbusters. And he doesn't know why everyone brings it up to him all the time and is sick of it. Uh, cut to Manhattan, New York. We're in a uh, uh, Columbia University. Best friends growing up. Uh, uh, Victor Zedmore and Oscar Barrett. They are uh, graduate students and they're, well, 89, it would be like 31 or, th or 28. I don't know. I don't know. However old it was if you were born in uh, 88. <laughs> 20, uh, 30, right? 30. 30. They're 30. And they're working. They're basically where the Ghostbusters were in 1984, working at the university. And they have theories as to uh, what happened. Uh, and now to make the long story short, short uh, what happened in 84 was Dana Barrett became uh, impregnated with the devil's son. Um, that was Oscar. That's what Vigo was trying to get in 89. They don't realize it yet. And all the ghosts have been have held back because Oscar is the one controlling them all, but he doesn't get it. Uh, Victor's dad, Egon, passed away from radiation poisoning from the proton packs. All of a sudden, Oscar starts having these really bad nightmares and dreams and waking up from them like bad ghosts are haunting and seeping into the world. Turns out it's really happening. And ghosts start appearing again. And they show up to Chicago and they're like, it's happening again to... to Oh, let's play more music. I'll just let it play. It's a good song. Yeah. So um, they, they they tell Raymond that he's he's not crazy. This is really happening again. And he's kind of freaked out. I'm like, we need to get Pete. He'll know what to do. And Peter still wants nothing to do with this. So they have to create some new type of proton pack to start busting these ghosts because they don't want to die of poison, like radiation poisoning like their dad did. They don't, they're not safe. They're proton packs. So they're trying to create some new proton pack, and they and they do in the meantime. Um, uh, long story, and of course Dana Barrett's in it. Long story short, like he starts, Oscar starts becoming possessed and becoming close to his father, and becoming a monster, and the city gets overrun, and he goes to Peter. Like they, like Peter kind of half raised Oscar, but kind of like left the picture. Mm -hmm. so he gets brought in as like the half dad and he's kind of like upset about the whole thing 
And that's what kind of that's when he goes off the deep end. That's what finally brings him in. Uh, and they get they get two more students in their in their group to help them, and they stop the end of the world, which is trying to be brought on from hell, like hell on earth. So it's Ghostbusters three, hell on earth. I like when you you said Oscar is friends with Oscar's best friends with Victor uh, Zedmore. Zedmore or Spangler? Not Zedmore, Spangler, Spangler. Sorry, okay. I'm, 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 I got to get my Ghostbusters. Right I, I realized where you were going with yeah, this. Yeah, as Victor Spangler, yeah. Okay. So, uh, also, there's a scene where they have to reconjure the uh, um, Stay Puff Marshmallow Man to fight for them against a, a, a monster, a, kai, a kaiju type monster that's attacking the city. Sold. Yeah. That's, that's all you had to say right there. So. He lived. In, he's long enough to become the good guy. Uh, and that's the movie. That's Ghostbusters do, three. Do we have a Slimer appearance? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. But this is. This is um, hell on earth, and then it sets up these guys to to start their new era of Ghostbusters. Is it a full male cast? Um, mixed gender? Yeah, I think it could be mixed gender. Okay. Uh, I, I'm seeing like Michelle Rodriguez as playing like, uh, like a like a coach who's really strong, and uh, like Victor's actually in love with her, and she comes on as as like a Ghostbuster because she's just like a tough. A tough she's broad. your Winston character. She's our Winston, yeah. Okay. So. That's that's my pitch for Ghostbusters three. I see the marketing capabilities. Yeah, it's uh, uh, obviously. Uh, are we are we recognizing the third Ghostbusters movie in any way? Okay, uh, so you you could treat it like the comic books, like it happens in an alternate universe. Okay, that's how Danny Schoening, uh, who's who's an author and an uh, illustrator for the Ghostbuster comic books, Rydie W. Those are good stuff. They're, they exist in separate universes, and they do like a crossover. But um, that could be something. You sold me with the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man uh, kaiju fight. Yeah, that'd be pretty sick, wouldn't it? Um, the uh, one last question is quite <coughs> important to it. Uh, Ecto-1. Yes. There, I'm assuming there's going to be an Ecto-1. Ec is it going to be reminiscent of the original, or are you going to try to update it for the modern audience? It is they they find like a rundown Ecto One A. So from Ghostbusters Two, and he's like, "Man, this needs work." And he pulls out pictures from Ecto One. He goes, "Let's take it back to its original state, the way my dad, or the way Ray would have wanted it, like the, to try and like please Ray." Excellent. So they make uh, it's exact. It's Ecto one to the dot. Are you, you're going to be able to get uh, Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray and Ernie Hudson to sign on to this? I think because Bill Murray. I don't know if you picked up on it, but I I picked up on it, it quite the, well. It's shadowing his career. Yes. And why it's important for him to come back to it? Because um, it means so much to the children <laughs> that are grown up. <laughs> but he's more serious now and he hates people bringing up Ghostbusters, but and their roles are very small in it. They're there's they're, 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 they're as mentors. 
Okay. It's there to, to, you know. I don't know. What do you think? I, I stay puff. Okay. So, so we're in the Ghostbusters 3 business? We're in the Ghostbusters 3 business. Awesome. And it's a good business to be in because I'll, I'll take any, always, always more Ghostbusters. I cannot wait to hear your pitch for this next bit. Oh, I'm still playing. <laughs> It's a weird song off the Ghostbusters soundtrack. All right, here's Squeezer's next pick. What the fuck? What is this? <laughs> it's the theme song to Sakai Ninja Sanjiaya. Oh, yeah, right. No, it's uh -oh. on my iPhone, yeah. I am talking, uh, so that's what it is in Japan. It was quite a hit. It was an actual TV show, and they made toys for them. Those toys were released in America, and we've spoken about these before, and they are products of Bandai, and they are tacky stretchoid warriors. Oh, okay. Are we talking a cartoon, a TV oh, show? Oh, no, we're talking live action. Live action. Um, very CGI heavy, of course. All right. Um, now this is where my, I was inspired by, um, Avengers and inspired by the DC universe. So my initial thought was I was going to take this absurd concept, but at the same time, the idea of it, just the fight sequences I found amazing to me. Um, and then I realized no one's going to take it seriously, so it shouldn't take itself seriously. So I'm going to read from you, read to you uh, from the back of the uh, packaging for Tacky Stretchoid Warriors. Spike and Fridge intend to turn the Earth into one giant mall. Now that's tacky. Luckily, a heroic team led by the always tasteful Thunderbolt is determined to stop them. It's a sticky situation, and it could change the way you shop. That's my movie premise, and I'm going to stick with that. Oh, God. This has got uh, Taco Bell kids meal written all over it. Yes. <laughs> this is, at the same time that it is going to be this deep philosophical uh, breakdown of capitalism and marketing and consumerism in our, in our world, it is going to just take full advantage of that and mock it all at one time. All right. Okay. Um, what are what do you what tie-ins do you see? What networks do you see this on? Oh, it, I I see it as a movie. Oh, it's a movie. It's a movie. Um, and what I what really got me thinking from Infinity Wars is the action sequences in that were so watchable. Okay. When, when you saw the fights, you can see the fights taking place. Which I know sounds crazy to say, but when there's so many other very heavy CGI movies out there that are just basically your head is spinning. Yeah, right. Uh, what I picture here is, and you said you wanted to see Fantastic Four. Right. Imagine five Mr. Fantastic in samurai gear fighting in a mall. That's true. I'm sold. And so 
they fight it out. So you have your, your two villains and then you have your th- three good guys fighting out. Uh, can I, I spoil an end for you because I, I've written part of it in, into the show. I don't, they're not going to make this movie, so I'm not going to spoil this for anyone that's going to see it. But I was inspired by the show for how I'm going to kill off Fringe, the one bad guy. Because um, if you look at the back of the packaging, it actually warns you not to pull too hard on the head because it can be torn off. Right. So in the final battle sequence, Fringe has his legs trapped in an escalator while his head is trapped in an automatic door to the entrance of the mall. And the escalator pulls him underneath and he is torn apart with his head stuck in the automatic door. All right. That's for you, buddy. That's uh it's gonna bring a little PTSD my way, but all right. All right. So now for my cast. Spike, our 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 uh our villain. Okay. Mark Hamill. All right, yeah. Uh Thunderbolt is uh the leader of the good guys. That's Keith David. Okay. Does a ton of VO work and stuff. You know, he's got the voice for it. He's awesome. Uh, oh, Keith Fringe. David. He was in um, Something About Mary, the Beans Above the Franks. Yep. Uh, Billy West. Ah, oh, I like Billy West. Uh, Gold Blaster uh, is uh, Ron Perlman. Okay, Ron Perlman. Sons and of Anarchy. Ar- Arnie, oh, boy. Arnie, who is kind of the slapsticky kind of uh, humor of it, that's John Leguizamo. Okay, all right. I like this. I like this. What are we? Uh, what? But what are we looking at budget wise? What? What tie-ins do you see for this? And what oh, rating? Tie-in, tie-ins are everywhere. And you say it yourself. This, this is this is uh, this isn't a McDonald's. If McDonald's wants it, they can have it. But I'm seeing this in Denny's. <laughs> this is a Denny's toy. This is a a, a Taco Bell uh, this, this promo. Like I, I see Jr. cups. I see I see straws. <laughs> I see stretchy straws. In every. 47 ounce cup across every fast food restaurant on planet earth every kid's going to be playing with their straw you know like those little like the uh like crazy straws but the ones that you can kind of stretch just a little bit okay that's what i see and i see everyone doing that and it's going to make them think and some of them you can have little you can put samurai armor on it when you're like pulling it up it's all about the straws all right i i get it I get it. I like it. The last thing I want to do, though, is sell this as a toy because it's not going to work. <laughs> These toys, they belong. If they're Happy Meal toys, that's fine. We can do Happy Meal toys. But as far as an individual toy market, it's not the way to go. It's bombed before. Yeah, fucking A. Probably not the best thing to say in a pitch meeting. No, but I, I think we can make money. Who's directing? Oh, the Russo brothers. <laughs> oh, right, of course. I figure, what the hell, aim high. Yeah, why not aim high? They might be available. They might get sick of Marvel, like uh, uh, Whedon did. Um. All right, is that it on that one? That's it. I hope I didn't disappoint. No, I, I, I'm, in, I'm into this. I can't wait to see it. I'm greenlighting it, and we're in business. <coughs> we got a couple movies. We got a couple shows. I got another show for you. Ready to hear it? Yeah. 
Here we go. Oh, still playing fucking Ghostbusters music. All right, here we go. Squeezer. I wasn't going to complain if you're just going to play Joe Cocker for five minutes. You know what show we're talking about, right? I do, and I'm kind of concerned. Okay, so we're remaking The Wonder Years. Now, hear me out. Oh, whoa, yeah. that you just... I think you just pissed off a lot of people right now. All right, well, calm down, calm down. Okay, all, all right, right all well, right. you know, let me pitch, let me pitch. This is set in 1990. That's when the show starts. And it, it, there's two main characters, two main young boys who are uh, about nine years old when the show starts. One's named RK, the other's named Squeezer. <laughs> and the show is called The Rad Years, not The Wonder Years. Okay. And it's so... Um, I've got my brother and sister, and you've got your sister, but you have a cousin that lives with you who just went away to the Gulf War or is getting ready for the, the it's, it's, it's set in June, like late May, early June of 1990. So we're like leading up to the Gulf War in the first season and your cousin going overseas to fight in the Gulf War. So instead of the Vietnam War, obviously we have the Gulf War. Uh, and, and it just follows us through like our our basically a lot of the stories we told on this show, like our love, like like you you see you tacking up your blankets in your basement and you're in making like food on your cast iron skillet at nine years old. I, I'm fine. I don't think people want to just sit then and watch me play video games for twenty two minutes. No, well, there's obviously plot that goes with said exposition oh, okay. squeezer, but. Uh, we're two little friends and we're rewriting history because we didn't know each other at that age. But I mean, we probably, there's a good chance we ran into each other places and we just didn't know it. Um, so I'm guessing the Texaco. (laughs) Absolutely. Had to be, had to be. Um, so there has to be an iconic song at the beginning of it that paints the picture of, of the show, and it's got to be a big song because they probably spent good money for Joe Cocker with a little help from my friends, right? I mean, it's Joe Cocker covering the Beatles. I mean, it's as big as he can. I mean, it's massive. Right. So, what do you think of this as the opening song? It was a pretty big hit. 
So, I, I mean, obviously, we'll probably have to think of a better song, but I was just thinking, like, oh, what, what's iconic about, like, the 90s? Um, and early 90s, that, mm-hmm. you know. But there's other songs to play. Uh, but I really think, like, a, a, a Wonder Years reboot set in 1990 uh, would be huge. Okay. It, it, I'm... I'm Okay, I'm not as mortified anymore. It's not, you're not dragging the good name of the Wonder Years. We're not, you know, reimagining anything. We're not, you know, pulling those characters, you know, back out for another round to milk them for, you know. No, 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 no. We're not changing history. It's its own show. It's its own standalone, but it's in the same, the same spirit of, it's a different show, but in the spirit of the Wonder Years. Right. It's in the spirit of the Wonder Years. And it's not, it's not like, um, uh, the Goldbergs. Like you never know what it's kind of like, but it's, it's very much set in 1990 and then set in 1991. And we stick to that. Uh, oh, you know what? You know what? I got the perfect song. Hold on. I just got the perfect song for to start. So we're talking 1990. Mm-hmm. Oh, come on. Do you have any guesses? Is it definitely 1990? Well, the song? show starts in 1990, yeah. Okay, but the song's not from 1990. The song is, yeah. Oh, okay, from 1990. Uh, this is what starts every episode of the show. Come on, we didn't start the fire by Billy Joel. All right, it makes sense. This starts every We're episode. Just two young innocent boys that didn't start. Well, actually, I did. Start <laughs> fire. <laughs> Never mind. Um, but we didn't start the spirit. My Catholic school remix. Like, it, like that could be a show. Like that could be a scene in the show. Like I go to. We don't go to school together. I go to Catholic school. You go to public school. And like it splits off during school, but then like afterwards, we live the rad years. Like we live on weekends, we live on nights. You know, we got the summer ahead of us. We got our our your cousin like afraid to go to fight Saddam Hussein and in, in uh, the Gulf War. All the stuff that goes around it. I don't know. I think it could be the rad years instead of the wonder years. All right. Okay. Are we in business? Uh, it depends. Oh, well, you have. Who, oh, you have to get all this. Who's playing me? Oh, it's open casting for me and you. Like just like uh, they did uh, Stranger Things, open casting. You got to find the okay. right kids. I'm ju- I just wanted to see if you had anyone in mind, like a Channing Tatum or something. Like that. <laughs> uh, you you mean the narrator for you in the future? Because I figured like there'll be a guy narrating half of it, and me, and there'll be a guy narrating your half. Uh, I, I okay. So, um, but yeah, could it, it could, or you just have Daniel Stern do it or just have Daniel Stern do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's probably the best idea. Yeah. But th- I pitched you the wonder years remake called the rad years set in 19 19- starting in 1990. 
We didn't start right. the fire. We're buying right. it. We're in business. I'm, I'm, I'm in. Do we, do we get action figures? I, I did. I don't think the Wonder Years had action figures, but I mean, it's 2018 now. Everything has an action everything figure. Has action. It's sure. just, a, or even if it's just a, a Funko. Pop. No, 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 no. We get no, not Funko Pops. We get Funko Pops, but we get Funko reaction figures. Ooh. Ah. Uh, okay. All right. Okay. Um, I've been dreading this all night. Uh, here's your next pick. Christ. Did you ever play the game Landstalker? No one ever played this game. Gen. <laughs> uh, as soon as you, you pitched this episode idea to me, the first thing that shot in my mind was, I can't wait to do my Landstalker movie. Yeah, well, let's hear it. Pitch your, pitch your Landstalker movie. So, it's an adventure film. Now it takes... It's 50 years after the uh, events of Landstalker. Now, Nigel is nearing retirement at the age of, so 50 years, he was 88, so what's 80 plus, 132, 138 years old. Still looking pretty dapper, though, I might I add. And But he's doing some jobs just to make some cash because, you know, we know that he never kept, you know, King Knoll's gold after the events of Mercator Island. Yeah, everyone knows that. So, everyone knows that. <laughs> So he's doing some jobs, and, and as it turns out, these jobs, this job goes bad, and now he owes some very bad people a lot of money. Okay. So he needs to get some cash, and the only thing that he can think of is that gold that he left behind on Mercator Island. So he takes what little money he has and hires that bird to fly back to the island. Now it's 50 years later, and he's realizing the aftermath of what happened the fallout from the events the damage that was done in the battle when he fought gola and he comes across the tribes that he originally came across and now living with them is his good friend friday all right yeah you're our little our little nymph from the previous adventure okay you're gonna, now, you're gonna have to explain yourself because i have no idea about anything about this game okay uh, Landstalker, he is an elf explorer, uh, and Friday was this little fairy nymph thing that was like his sarcastic little companion that helped him out and revived him when he died. Okay, like kind of yeah. like Navi. Yes, ac absolutely. In fact, you could argue that uh, Navi is Friday. Um, so there was we'll explore their backstory as we go on because they did go on quite some adventures but there was a falling out uh friday was clearly in love with uh nigel and they're making their way across the island and it's just we're going we're gonna get the gold and get out and friday's kind of along for the adventure and kind of just nagging at nigel trying to figure out what went wrong in their relationship. That's why kind of she's kind of along for the ride. And we might realize why she's on the island to begin with. How did she end up there? Why is she back? As it turns out, Zach is there, 
Zack would be the flying dragon creature mercenary that was working for Duke Mercator back in the day and was hired alongside Nigel to get the treasure. And, of course, they turned on him, and they fought, but Zack retreated. Now we realize that this entire setup and Nigel's misfortune was all Zack's doing to set Nigel up so Zack could get his revenge and at the same time recover that gold that only Nigel can get. Yeah, sure. Okay. I mean, this seems like a kind of good movie, but how do you pitch it? Like, how do you sell it to an audience who doesn't know what Night Stalker is? Landstalker. Landstalker. <laughs> well, first I put Ewan McGregor in as Nigel, as <laughs> our lead character. Okay. I, I think he would do quite well in the role. Uh, kind of like a, a, a dry, but witty, also kind of got a drug addict-y thing, kind of. We bring in some train spotting-ish. This, all right you know, uh this is if you played or seen any of the witcher games no uh okay well this is kind of like a landstalker is a bit of a predecessor it was a, a darker version of of i mean i don't want to say darker i mean it had a brothel in it so it was a little more adult than uh than zelda in the japanese version they had a lot of like dirty stuff they put in for no reason whatsoever we spoke about that on the show i don't know if you recall sure um and then i bring in Aubrey Plaza as our Friday. Oh, okay. I mm-hmm. love Aubrey I, Plaza. I'm a huge Parks and Rec fan, as yeah, you are. Absolutely. I I see her working well in that role. It, the, the 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 snark that goes with it, uh, and that and that character, uh, and then to direct, because uh, I see it like this epic fun adventure, Gore Verbinski. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay, Gore Verbinski. I see that. What you're saying? I, you're saying I can't get him. I, I, I. I'm, well, no. We'll have to call I'm thinking, him. I'm thinking Landstalkers and next Pirates of the Caribbean. All right. Yeah, it could be. I mean, he. he I think he could. Yeah. <laughs> I. I just. Where. Where. Where do you see us marketing this movie? Like, where do you see tie-ins? Do you see like a Land? Could Landstalker be reworked to come out in the iPhone, the original? Ooh, isometric 3D platformer. That's shit. That was that was tough on a Genesis controller. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what. Yes, release it for phones, but with microtransactions for extra lives and to skip levels, and you will make a fortune. Okay. So you take microtransactions. Oh, absolutely. Big part of it. It's all about King Null's treasure, right? Well, you got to find the treasure. And that treasure is through, you know, a dollar, 99 cents here, 99 cents there. You can open up that treasure chest. All right. Well, you know, maybe we should, these should be behind closed doors talks. We shouldn't be talking these in the podcast. You oh, know, it doesn't matter. People know how it works and they do it anyway. It's true. Um, all right. You know what? I'm going to green light it. I'm going to green light it. You're just saying that because we've greenlit everything else and you don't want to hurt my feelings. You would love to put the kibosh on a Landstalker movie. Uh, why? Like, listen, I'm going to tell you right now. I don't quite... I don't quite know the game and mm-hmm. and the story, but the way you pitched it, it seems like it might be something people... It, it's a passion project. It's a pa- Of course, as, as movies like this often are. And I feel like... Um, and that never goes wrong. Never, <laughs> never. How much? How many millions do we need for the budget? 
This is my water world, Ryan. <laughs> Which, like you this said, is my wasn't, postman. wasn't necessarily a bad movie. What, what role will Kevin Costner play in said movie? Oh, I can get Kevin Costner? Um, well, you should reach out to his people. Oh, Kevin Costner's mirror. Oh, okay. Well, who is that? Uh, he is the wizard that basically is orchestrating a whole lot of the original game and, you know, serves a grand purpose in, uh, in this as well. All right. Well, I, okay. I'm in. We're, we're, we're buying it. We're giving you the money. The studios are always looking for new IP, and then we'll take it. We'll take it. Uh, uh, how much? What? What's your budget? How much? Uh, I think I could green light 250 Oh, hey, Schmuffin. Schmuffin How much did Avatar cost? Avatar was like two sixty. All right, I need three. Okay, all right. We'll because talk I want to film this as an isometric three D movie. <laughs> 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 Sorry. We can we can we can market barf bags. Oh, they, that's already been done. Oh, really? Yeah, there was this horror movie. Um, hold on. Oh. I gave. Um, I had one. I got from Dinosaur Dracula. I gave it to Clipper. Um, that's right. I, but it comes it comes attached to your 3D glasses <laughs> just to make it easier because <laughs> it would be the most in, in horrifying thing to have to watch. Uh, here it is. Oh, there's a lot of them that uh, came with barf bags. Mark of the Devil was the one I had. Okay, yeah. I remember seeing that. Yeah, but a couple of them. There was a couple of barf bags, yeah. But I don't think you could ever watch this movie. Uh... I don't know. Uh, well, yeah, because medically, it's I probably shouldn't. not worth the risk. Yeah, of, uh, get, getting your head caught in the door at Clover precludes you from watching this movie. Um, this is fun. Uh, what's let's do something here. Like, w- out of all my pitches, what would you want to see the most? Um. Okay, hang on. I'm bouncing around. So let's go over them. I have. Uh, I have Caddyshack 3, Mar-a-Lago. Mm-hmm. I've got mm-hmm. Masters of the Universe. I've got Legend of Zelda series. i got mm-hmm. Ghostbusters 3. And obviously the Rad Years, Wonder Years reboot. Okay, see, now this is where it gets real tough for me because I'm stuck between the two. Because I, I kind of... If I can just see Mr. Stay Puff fight Godzilla, I'm good. Not Godzilla, a kaiju. But. Oh, uh, uh, sure. Uh, but... I I am a I'm a long term. I love committing to a, a series that's going to drag me into, down a rabbit hole, and I also love the genre and the characters. So I want I want that Zelda series. Yeah, I think we all want the Zelda series. All right, let me think of yours. Um, as much as I want to see how weird the Stretchoid movie would be, <clears throat> I want to see that Coen Brothers Mark Trail movie. I agree. <clears throat> that's my that's the one I want to see the most. And uh, oh, maybe too cuz it's the most it's almost practical. Yeah. It can you can almost see it be made. I I I think I don't think it's too far of a stretch. Yeah. Other absolutely. than they'd never probably get the rights to Mark Trail. I forgot the guy's name that's writing it. Now, or but. the Coen brothers would never Well, they might agree to it. <clears throat> they might agree to it. They probably read it growing up. Uh, this was fun. This was a good 75 episodes. Happy 75th anniversary. Happy 75th to you. What's what's the proper gift here? A swords? Uh, Pistols? Is there something? 
I, I don't think people stay together for 75. So. <laughs> That's true. Hang on, let me let me use the Google. Well, we did it, so that we've got a one-up on your grandparents. Um, we're through 75 episodes. Oh, diamonds. Diamonds, yeah. So uh, the 75th diamonds. I'll be expecting diamonds, as you should from me. <clears throat> and uh, we're back next week with some more fun. But uh, for, for now, uh, listen, here's what I want from everyone listening. Send us an email, write on our Instagram, comment on our, on our website, radios.com, which of these pitches you want to see. And if you have a pitch that you think we should hear, pitch it to us because uh, we'd love to hear it. And also, rate review us on iTunes. Check us out on radios.com. And obviously, follow us on Instagram. And uh, until next week, I'm RK. I'm Squeezer. Have a good night.